Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. You know, it's awesome as, uh, as that's our genuine cry. We, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that as we've gathered together, that God is here. His presence is real. It's genuine. There is no, oh, please, please. But instead, when we, as two or three believers, gather together in his name, we know he's with us in our midst as we do business together, as we are the church together. And so I just want to encourage you. God is present and so just take a moment. If you need to, to kneel or sit or stand or lay flat on the floor or come to the altar, but let's just, just take a moment and pray and give to him the things that this week are our greatest needs, the things this week that we most need him to reach into us and heal us and sustain us and strengthen us. Lord Jesus, we know that you are here in our midst. Your spirit is active and alive. Of course, we we know, Holy Spirit, you're always within us. You dwell within us all the time as the seal of our salvation, the promise of our future. And yet when we gather together like this, we know that your presence is amplified. We understand that becomes even more real as we gather together as your church. And so as we are gathered here, we need you. We know that we are beloved. We know that we are valued. We know that we are significant because of what you are done are, are doing and have done within us. But we also know that we are not enough without you. We don't have the strength to make it through even just the most basic of days without you within us. And so, may we find your strength tonight. May we find your presence today. May we understand just how beautiful and valuable you are today. And then carry it with us every day. We are not enough on our own, but in you, There's more than enough. And you hold all the answers to every question of life. So this morning we turn to you. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. You guys can find your seats if you got one. As always, we are here today to know God and make Him known. 
And that knowing God is about growing our relationship with Him to understand Him better, to see what it is He longs for us to do and be in Christ and to walk in it, and then to make Him known, to give of ourselves so that other people will see the goodness of God. And so uh, we've got great things coming up. I encourage you. Uh, There is the opportunity uh, later in April to sign up for what's called Secret Church, a six-hour study uh, in the book of Jonah that will also include some prayer time for the persecuted church. Uh, around the world. And so I want to encourage you, if you're looking for an experience where you're going to be challenged to get deep into God's Word as well as pray and spend time with other believers, this will be a simulcast event. We'll be watching it streamed to our church. You'll get a workbook and and it'll be a good time. encourage you to talk to Missy. Um, Money is due by April 1st and it's $25 a person. If you can't afford $25 a person, We will cover your costs. Know that money should not be an issue for you uh, if you want to participate in this. And the $25 covers uh, a workbook, a a really nice uh, book for you to be able to go through and participate and then have something to take home afterwards. Everybody, I want to encourage you. We have opportunities to serve at VBS. VBS is July 24 through 28 this summer. And so there's lots of ways to serve. If you're interested in volunteering, be sure to see Missy. Those of you who are interested in doing uh, the uh, stations or whatever, I can't remember what you're calling them. Camp thing. Okay. Kids camp stuff. Uh, then, then talk to Missy. You know, you need to, I want to do uh, Pinewood Derby cars and, and uh, um, birdhouses. Okay. All right. So uh, you can't have those. Those are mine. Um, but other things, skills, gifts, talents, enthusiasms you have. You love to make paper mache and you'd like to get, teach kids how to do paper mache. Let's talk about, uh, with Missy, uh, how you can serve. And then I'm really excited in two more weeks from today, we're going to have another Sunday night service come together. It'll be at, uh, from 6 to 7.30 here in the sanctuary. Uh, encourage you to come to participate, to be reading your Bible, praying, and come prepared to share a word, to share a testimony, to share a prayer request as we sing together and as we uh, just spend some time together in prayer and celebration. So I am looking forward to that March. Yeah, March 19. I forgot what month we were in all of a sudden. It's like, is it really March? It is. Oh my goodness. Did you know it's 2023? I I know you didn't think you're going to make it past 1988 because that's when Jesus was coming back, right? Some of you were like, I wasn't even born yet. I know, but some of us, we were, and we were scared to death. So um, anyway, we are continuing to look in the, God, in the book of Philippians, the letter of Paul to the church, not Philippians, Colossians, the letter of Paul to the church in Colossae. And uh, this is just a great one. We've been going through it to understand that we are in the kingdom of the Son when we are believers We looked at the eternal king uh, just a few weeks ago and how Jesus is the creator and the sustainer. He is the life giver. He is the revealer of God. So many beautiful things. Last week, we looked at the pathway to citizenship, how we come to belong in the kingdom. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Before we deserved wrath, before we were cut off from God, but in Christ, we can be brought into fellowship. We can be given new life and brought into the kingdom. And now the, the letter is going to make a, a little bit of a turn. We're going to be starting to talk about what life in the kingdom looks like, what everyday life in the kingdom looks like. And so Paul in writing is going to cover 
first some important things to help us understand why we even care about this life and what it is that we our first steps in this life need to look like. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up or you can check out the Bible app and you should find our event for today in there that includes the notes. But if you've got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 3. A little bit of Bible nerd thing for you. Uh, Those guys in my Thursday night study, they know this. The Bible was not written with the numbers and the chapters in there. There were no verse numbers. There were no chapter numbers. This would have been just one great big letter all together, divided up by paragraphs. And so... Uh, at one point, somebody sat down and said, wouldn't it be nice if when we're reading the Bible together, we had numbers to turn to? So the chapter numbers, the verse numbers were put into the text in, uh, well, about the 1500s to 1700s is kind of how it developed. And then what we have here, though, is that sometimes the verse numbers and the chapter numbers, they don't fall in line with what's actually in the text as far as paragraphs. And so this is a paragraph, verse 24 in chapter 1 all the way to verse 3 in chapter 2 is a single paragraph, even though the chapter changes. So I know it's a little confusing sometimes, but it's kind of a Bible nerd thing to go, oh, in the original letter, it was a little different formatting than what we have right in front of us. So anyway, um, if that meant something to you, save it up for Trivial Pursuit. If it did not... Just let it flush from your mind even now as we read Scripture together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 2, 3. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Paul, in this letter to the church, as the Holy Spirit communicates to the church and to us through Him, makes a shift and begins to tell us about how exciting it is to be serving the church. He says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. The word rejoice, a lot of times we get it in our head. We think it it has to mean like, you know, happy and doing a little jig or something like that. But rejoicing is really just a sense of gladness, a sense of contentment, of being able to say, I am doing exactly what I am to be doing. 
I'm exactly in the middle of God's will. Everything is as it should be according to his plans. Now I rejoice. And most of us would think Paul or any other Christian would be rejoicing in what? Like the good stuff, right? I rejoice that I have had two cups of coffee today instead of just one. And some of you are already going like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be bad. I rejoice that the car started this morning. I rejoice that my family's here. I rejoice in all the good blessings that God has given to me. We would expect that, right? But he says here in chapter 1, verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Now, these sufferings for the church, this isn't the only time that, that Paul mentions the fact that he has suffered for the sake of the church and the good news of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he writes this, For the love of Christ compels us. And no, this has nothing to do with casting out demons. This has to do instead with the fact is, what is my motivator? What keeps us going? The love of Christ keeps us going. Since we have reached this conclusion... That, he, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who raised them, or who died for them and was raised. You see, Paul says, we are compelled by the good news of the gospel. And we understand that now... We died with Jesus, and just like him, we've been brought back to a new way of life. And the whole reason we're alive now in Christ Jesus is so that we can live for him. Paul talks about his his sufferings for the church by saying, My life is all about living for Jesus, as it should be for every believer. Galatians 2.20, he writes this, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live But Christ lives in me. In other words, my life has died with Jesus. My way of life, my old way of living, my old way of seeing the world died with Jesus. And I'm not alive anymore. The old me is gone. Instead, now I am alive in Christ and he lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is it that motivates? What is it that keeps us going? The fact that Jesus lived and died and rose again for each and every one of us who believes on him as Lord and Savior. And this is what excites Paul. This is what he's rejoicing in, that he is getting to give his life for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. John, the apostle, joins in as well and teaches us this in 1 John 3.16. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. Jesus gave everything for us. We know he loves us. And then John says this to us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now we go, wait, wait, wait. That just means like being nice, right? No. If you you see the comparison John says Jesus gave his life, right? And how did Jesus give his life? Anybody recall? 
Yeah, seems like a joke, but, but right, we, we, we tend to minimize it. We tend to just go, well, yeah, Jesus gave better love than this. You know, a friend gives his life for the sake of another. Oh, how sweet. But how did Jesus give his life? In pain and agony. This was not a pleasant experience for our Savior. Now, we know he rose again. We rejoice in that he, he came back to life and the promise that has for us. But if he was willing to give his life in that manner, how should we be willing to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters? Is it fair to say that the same manner is not too great of an expectation? Now, that doesn't mean we go out and like have a crucifixion committee and schedule everybody for your crucifixion. But what it does mean is that sometimes the sacrifices that we think are significant in light of the cross are meaningless and almost nothing. Well, you don't understand. You know, I volunteered for the nursery that one time this last 10 years. I mean, it was just one Sunday, but man, it was really hard. Really? That's the best you got for your brothers and sisters in light of the sacrifice that your Savior made for you? Well, I volunteer anyway. I digress. Let's focus on what the text is saying. I, I, you guys get the picture, don't you? I hope you do. I hope you see that Paul is, he is rejoicing in the fact that he gets to suffer for the sake of other believers. He's like, the best part of my day is that it, it's rough for the sake of you hearing the gospel. For the sake of the life of the church. And he says this. He says, I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For his body, that is the church. Now you might read this and go, whoa, whoa, I know my doctrine. Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. And you're right. Jesus did pay all that is to be paid for our salvation. It is so important to remember that, that salvation is paid in full by the work of Christ on the cross. That Jesus' life and death and resurrection are sufficient to pay for any and every sin so that any and every person who receives him as Lord and Savior will be saved. But when Paul says that he is completing the work of Christ, he's not talking about it because he knew himself that John had said that when Jesus received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is so clear. The price for sin and salvation is paid in full on the cross by Jesus himself. In Hebrews chapter 10, we see this. By, by this will, the will of the Father, we have been sanctified or set apart, made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once a week at church service. Ooh, no, uh, but once for all time. In other words, Jesus made the sacrifice for our sin. How many more sacrifices for sin are necessary? None. None. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever 
those who are sanctified. In case you had any questions or any doubts about your salvation and about what is required for you to be saved, you must know beyond a shadow of a doubt it simply takes faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because He made the one perfect sacrifice for sin that was necessary for all time and nothing else is required for your salvation. Nothing else. Now, we can slip into legalism and say, well, yeah, believe on Jesus and wear a tie. And that's what it takes to be saved. But Scripture doesn't say that. Believe on Jesus and, you know, wear a, wear a dress. No. Believe on Jesus and, and sing these songs. No. Believe on Jesus. Repent of your old way of life and trust on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The price for salvation has been paid once and for all by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, proven to us by his resurrection. There should be no doubt in our minds. So when Paul says this, that I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church, what could he possibly mean? Because Jesus in his affliction on the cross paid the price for sin. The price is paid. But help me, or I want to help you understand that what he is saying is not that he has to pay for sin again, but he understands that evangelism and conversion and maturing in the faith have an additional cost. Salvation is paid for once for all in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for all who would believe. But if Jesus had lived and died and rose again and then ascended to heaven and no one ever talked about it again, where would we be today? We'd be dead in our sins. We'd be lost forevermore. But what we find out is that the people that walked with Jesus, that learned from him, that saw him resurrected, they all began to talk about it. They began to evangelize and, and share their testimony about Jesus. To talk about he was, he was amazing. He was the teacher. He was the Christ. He was the Son of God. He lived perfectly. He died in our place. He rose again on the third day. They, they began to teach and preach this and, and evangelize the masses. And people were saved. And then, then people had to be matured and taught what it is to live the Christian life. And do you realize that of the original 12 disciples who became, well, 11 of them became apostles eventually in the move in our church. Of those remaining 11, only one of them died of old age. All the others, do you know what they died of? Martyrdom. They gave their life for the sake of the gospel. And then we have the, the next apostle added in line, Paul, who we're reading the letter from. How did he die? Not of old age, he was beheaded in a Roman prison for the sake of the gospel. Church history tells us that Timothy, the Timothy of the two books of the Bible that we have written to him, Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus. And the pagans were throwing a festival to the false god Diana. And he was interrupting that festival by trying to evangelize them. And they beat him to death right there at the festival. That... that all of the, the prominent leaders and, and, and movers and shakers in the New Testament 
at the very least, sacrificed greatly for the sake of other people hearing the gospel. And many of them gave their lives for the sake of someone else's salvation. And so evangelism has a cost. And other people coming to Christ has a cost. And people maturing in the faith, it has a cost. And that's what Paul is saying. Jesus suffered and paid the price for my sins. But now I and everyone in the church have the privilege of suffering so that we can bring the truth of the gospel to bear in the lives of others. That it is not a cakewalk. It's not a bunch of roses and happiness and lollipops to follow after Jesus. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, to the weak I became weak. In order to win the weak. In other words, I'm willing to be so done with myself that I will look like somebody else, behave like somebody else, dress like them, listen to their music, just so I can relate to them and share the gospel. He says, I have become all things to all people so that I may may by every possible means be liked by folks. No, that was never his goal. So that by every possible means I can teach them how to be happy. No. By every possible means, I can be fulfilled and have like a real purpose. No, so that they might come to salvation in Christ Jesus. I'm willing to give everything about myself. Everything I would identify as critical to being me, I'm willing to give it up so that somebody else can be saved. He says this in 2 Corinthians, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. My whole goal, I suffer these things so that you might know the comfort of Christ and the salvation of Jesus. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Paul says, you're going to, if you walk faithfully, suffer in the same way that I've suffered. But I know God will help you to patiently endure. And how did he suffer? Well, for the sake of others' salvation. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the first part of the verse says this, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. This is like the memory verse for every Christian leader, everybody who steps into a role of service. I I will spend and be spent for the sake of someone else because I want them to know Jesus and the joy of following after him. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 13. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf for they are your glory. When we suffer on behalf of someone else it is to their glory and to the glory of God. We serve by suffering. 2 Timothy chapter 2 Verse 10, this is why I endure all things for the elect or those who will be saved in Christ Jesus so that they may also, excuse me, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he had experienced a number of different things for the sake of the salvation of others. If you were to just go through the book of Acts It doesn't contain all of the things that he had suffered, but you compare Acts and then you add to it what he tells us about himself in Galatians. 
And Paul, at this point in his life, the things that we know for sure that he had endured for the sake of sharing the salvation and the good news of Jesus with other people, he had been beaten with canes. Not canes, but like, you know, wah, cane, bamboo. He'd been beaten. He had been flogged, whipped, except it was this really cruel punishment. They would whip someone 39 times because 40 times was a death penalty. If you could survive 40 lashes, it was, it was considered you, God didn't want you to die. The gods were favoring you. Uh, you know, no big deal. Go on with your life. You've suffered everything that's possible. But when you were given 39 lashes, you could receive that multiple times throughout your life. 40 lashes? Nope, you're already considered dead legally. You're, you're good to go. 39 lashes over and over and over again. Paul had been whipped 39 times, a number of times at this point. He had been beaten for the gospel. He had been hungry for the gospel. He says he's been naked for the gospel. He had been shipwrecked for the sake of the gospel. He had been imprisoned multiple times for numbers of years for the sake of the gospel. He had been shunned for the sake of the gospel. And he says, I endure all of it just so one person will be saved. I'm willing to give everything about my life so that just one person will be saved. What we can get from this, what we must understand from this, is that the gospel is free. The price has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. But the spread of the gospel will always cost. And I'm not talking monetarily, though it does take money to spread the gospel. When we look at Paul, we need to understand it will cost us individually. It will cost us personally. It will cost our lives sometimes so that other people can be saved. So that other people can spend eternity in the presence of the Father. Paul goes on to write in verses 25 and 26, and he says regarding the church, I have become its servant. And, and, and servant is, is, a, is a perfect word. It's almost fair to say slave. <laughs> and, and some of us, when we have served in the church, we may feel like a slave. Um, you know, I don't want to make eye contact with anybody for fear that you... you, you but you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you, some of us have been in those places where it's like, oh my gosh, I am beholden to this place and these people. And yet Paul says, that's sort of how it's supposed to be. That we as fellow believers are slaves and servants to one another and to the church. And it says, I am its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. This is the mission that was given to Paul. Interestingly enough, we're going to find out it was given to all of us as well. To make the word of God fully known. To go out and to be witnesses and to make disciples. And Paul says, it's so exciting to be able to do this. Because this is the mystery hidden for ages and generations. But now revealed to his saints. Paul is saying, we have the thing that everybody's always been looking forward to. And it's right here in our hands. Wrapped up in Christ Jesus. 
Now you want to know that that's true? Here, let's look at Peter agrees with him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, Peter says this. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. So Peter's saying in the Old Testament, as men and women were given words of prophecy, they knew that oftentimes their words were not just for them, but were looking forward to a future salvation and, and a Messiah. And that they wanted to know more about it. They wanted the details, but they were only allowed little bits and pieces of it. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when He testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. In other words, they knew what was coming. They just didn't know when and they didn't know how and they didn't know who and they wanted to know so badly. God, you've made a promise. How are you going to make it happen? Because this just sounds amazing. Peter says that they... They didn't find out. They didn't know. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You have the gospel truth that generations of Old Testament prophets and faithful believers longed to know and understand. And you possess it today. And, and Peter tells us it's so significant, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. You think angels got it better than us? The angels are going, no way, man. No way, lady. You have got it so much better because you have the gospel. You've got the very truth of God and the wisdom of God right there available to you. We wish we could understand life. Like you, the Christian believer, gets to understand it. We have been given this mystery to share, this truth to share. And Paul says this about it. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. He wants Jew and Gentile alike to know the riches of the gospel. And what is the greatest rich rich what is the greatest treasure of the gospel christ in you the most high god the 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 very perfect being who loved you and created you and molded you and shaped you now residing within you not in a limited way but in a way of fellowship and intimacy and empowerment this glorious mystery this thing that generations have wanted to know. In Paul's day, in, in, as this letter is being write, written, there were false teachers in Colossae who were trying to convince the believers there that they knew the secret mystery. And you had to know the passwords and the angelic beings to work your way through and all the special practices in order to maybe one day get to meet God. And Paul says, you don't need any of that ritualism. You don't need any of that, that uh, Gnosticism, that that secret knowledge, you already have the very mystery of God revealed to you. Everything that angels have wondered about is already right there within you, wrapped up in your relationship with Christ Jesus. You should be so excited, so overwhelmed, so taken with what is yours in Jesus that you're just like, yes, I can't wait to suffer for his sake. I can't wait to suffer for the sake of the church. 
Paul says this, then he goes on to say, we proclaim him. The idea of proclamation, that is not a, a small, silent, like little mousy thing. That is standing up on, on street corners, going into places where nobody wants to hear it, and telling folks about Jesus. We proclaim him. Warning and teaching. The two, two aspects of proclamation are both warning and teaching. So it's not just going in and saying, hey, God loves you, everything's great. But it is to say, you are a sinner separated from God. You deserve the wrath of God, but he loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And he lived and died to absorb the wrath of God for your sake. Pay the price for your sin. Clothe you in his righteousness. That's the truth. And if you don't receive him, you're on your way to hell. That sounds a little harsh, but it's true, isn't it? And that's a firm warning. That's part of proclamation. And then to teach, to disciple, to take people from I believe in Jesus to now I live for Jesus. That is the job. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What is the goal of Christian ministry? What is the goal of serving others, not so that they'll be happy, not so that they'll be rich, not so that they have a better car, not so that, the, that, 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 that everything will be perfect in their life, but so that they will grow up into maturity. The word there is uh, mature is complete or total. In other words, they, their whole life will be wrapped up in Christ and they will be a finished product eventually. I labor for this striving striving in my own strength when I feel like it. No. Striving in His strength that works powerfully in me. The word striving is actually a picture of um, the Olympics and and the, the physical contests of the Olympics of the day. Uh, the word, we actually get our word agony from it. Uh, so... Just, just to put it in context, it's not a direct correlation, but just so you can understand, when Paul talks about striving, he's not talking about, well, I tried real hard until it got a little tough. It is, I gave it all. When I am striving, I am exhausted when I'm done. I am tapped out. There is nothing left to give. And yet, still his strength fills me up and works powerfully within me. So the goal of Christian life, the goal of Christian leadership, the goal of church life is that everyone grows up to look like Jesus. And it's a bit of a fight, but we do it in his strength. Now he goes on to say this in chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you. Similar word from the same root as striving. So both of them are related to giving your all in a physical contest. I'm struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. Paul is saying that our sacrifice should not just be limited to those people we see, but even those we don't know yet, that we're willing to give of ourselves, struggle for them for the sake of the gospel. And he goes on and says this, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. He, we should really long 
He really longs for us to be encouraged, for our hearts to be joined together in love. We should long for our church family to be encouraged with hearts joined together in love. We should long for other churches and sacrifice for them, for them to be encouraged, for their hearts to be joined together in love so that they may have all the riches, and what are the riches? Complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. What is God's mystery revealed to us in these last days? Nothing but Christ himself. There's nothing to add to this. There's nothing to, to, to you know, like make special or our own little formula or our own little track or path. It is to, to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified. The mystery that we've all been longing for, the answer to every question, has been and always will be Jesus. Colossians 2.3 says this, In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Once again, when the Bible says all, when God's Word says all, it means all. All means all. And that's all, all means And so if you are looking for wisdom and knowledge, you are looking for the answers to the question of life, where should you look? Jesus. And when you have Jesus, what do you have? The answer to every question. Now some smart aleck out there, I know you're thinking it right now. You're going, oh, so does Jesus know how to change my oil? Okay, look, I bet he could tell you how to change your oil. But you know that's not what we're talking about, right? You know we're not talking about God's Word and Christ Himself being the textbook for every little aspect of life. But when God speaks with authority through His Son, Jesus Christ, that is the answer. So any part of life where God has spoken with authority, His answer is the only true and wise one. His answer is the only one that will help us to walk in a way that is both edifying for us and glorifying for Him. In fact, Jesus talks about the truth of the gospel this way. He says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven, the good news of the gospel, the truth of Christ is like this. It should be worth everything in our lives. Everything. And you may think that I am exaggerating. You may think that I'm, I'm being like over the top. You may think I'm speaking in a hyperbole, but I'm not and neither was Jesus. If there is anything in our lives that keeps us from following him wholeheartedly, we should be willing to abandon it today. If there is anything in our lives that is more important than our relationship with Christ and walking in obedience with him, we should be willing to abandon it today to sell it off, to get rid of it, to leave it behind. Now, some of you might say, well, that means my spouse, because they're a real pain in my rear end. No, look, because Jesus told you to be faithful in your marriage relationship. So we know that's not the case. To be unfaithful in your marriage is to be unfaithful in your relationship with Jesus. Wrong answer. But instead, to sacrifice everything to make your marriage relationship healthy... So that you might be in right relationship with Jesus? That sounds like a good answer to me. To sacrifice the job that keeps you away too much. 
to sacrifice the thing that you're pursuing that is self-centered? That sounds like a good answer to me. Sacrifice those things. Doesn't that make sense? Being willing to sell everything for the priceless pearl of walking with Jesus. So as we wrap up this morning, just some statements to try and help unpack what we've read in Colossians here today. I want you to understand, to celebrate, to rejoice in the fact that in Christ are to be found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge necessary for this life. In Jesus, you have everything you need. Everything you need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And that should be a big deal to us. You know, we, we, we sang earlier that we need more of Him. And, and what I mean by that is not so much that I need more of Him because He already has given me everything I need, but that more of me needs to belong to Him. And more of me needs to be in His hands. And more of me needs to be submitted to His ways. Because only in Him will I find all the answers that are needed. Some smart aleck in the past wrote that the answer to life the universe and everything is 42. But the problem is nobody knew what the question was. The thing here is, is we have both the answer and the question. The question is, what? And every answer is always Jesus. 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 What am I supposed to do to help make work better? Follow after Jesus. What am I supposed to do to, to help raise up my kids right? Follow after Jesus. What am I supposed to do to, to be a good husband or wife? Follow after Jesus. What am I supposed to do to be a right believer? Follow after Jesus. Jesus is the answer for every question of life. And what's exciting is, as believers, we possess these treasures. This treasure of Jesus Christ, it is in your hands. It's in your heart. It's in your life. And like Paul, you have been given the task of sharing that treasure. There is no one in this room who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has not been commanded by Jesus Himself to go out and share the treasure that you've received. Every one of us have been commanded to go out and share. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We know it as the Great Commission. Go out, make disciples. You baptize them and you teach them. And that's for everybody who believes on Jesus. But I want you to understand what we've learned from Paul this morning, what we've learned from the, the letter to the church in Colossae this morning. And it's true then and it's true now that sharing the treasure of Christ will require proclamation, which includes warning and teaching everyone. So do you want to share the treasure of Jesus like you've been commanded to do? You're going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to speak of it. You're going to have to find opportunities to open your mouth and share Jesus. And then the second thing that we must remember is that sharing the treasure of Christ will require striving and struggle, and it may well include suffering and affliction. And these are things that we should rejoice in. In other words, saying, God, thank you for the opportunities to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And once again, I make, I make this joke maybe too much. Suffering for the sake of the gospel is not someone failing to say Merry Christmas when you're checking out in December. 
Suffering for the sake of the gospel is being willing to, when God's voice says to sell everything and go somewhere else, to pack it up in a U-Haul, which is one of the seven levels of hell, just so you know, if you're familiar with Dante's Inferno, packing a U-Haul is one of the seven layers of hell. Uh, I can't remember which one. It's somewhere like five or six, somewhere in there. It's that bad. But you're willing to do it for the sake of the gospel and what God has called you to. You're willing to end a relationship that is sinful for the sake of striving or of us sharing the treasure. You're willing to just sacrifice and do whatever it takes to be made fun of, to be belittled. Do you remember? What did I tell you about the, the apostles? What happened to them as they shared the gospel? Most of them died for the sake of the gospel. Many early believers died for the sake of the gospel. They were burned at the stake. They were sawed in half. They were fed to lions. And that was just a Tuesday. Right? That, that, that was an everyday, all the time, normal kind of occurrence for the sake of the gospel, just so that they could share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. They were willing to suffer. And we should be too. If you're a believer today, understand Jesus paid the price for your sin, but someone else paid the price for you to hear the good news. If you are saved today, I'm not just pointing to you, Bridget, sorry. If you are saved today, (laughs) it's because somebody else was willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Most of us can go back, we can remember a Sunday school teacher. We can remember a a, a preacher or a pastor, an evangelist. We can remember a, a co-worker or a friend. We remember a parent or an older sibling who led us to Christ, who sacrificed something, who was willing to proclaim so that we could be saved. If you're a believer today, we can go all the way back to the death of Jesus and just look at there are gobs of people who died and gave their lives so that you can be a believer. And then we say, yeah, but I I mean, I don't want to volunteer for Sunday school. I don't want to do that ministry. That's too big of a sacrifice. Look, some of this is personal today. Uh, it's just been a, a week. Anybody ever have a week? You know, and sometimes as pastors, we have weeks too. And, and sometimes it's about interacting with people and just being like completely disappointed in ourselves because we couldn't make somebody see the world differently. I'm having one of those days, right? But I, I want you to wrap around your head, believer. You are a believer because somebody else sacrificed. All the way back to Paul in the church of Colossae. You're saved because somebody was willing to give their life so that you could be saved. First Jesus, and then a long line of believers. Brothers and sisters, this this is the question this morning. I want you to, to wrap your head. You have the riches of Jesus Christ. You have the treasure of Jesus. All of the wisdom and knowledge of God poured into you by His Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Christ. And it's there because somebody was willing to sacrifice and give their life to bring you to Jesus. For whom are you paying the price that they might hear the gospel and mature? Because I want you to understand something. Nobody gets saved and nobody matures in the faith if there aren't believers who are willing to suffer for the sake of others being saved and maturing. 
If every believer sits on their butt and keeps their mouth shut, eventually we all die off and no one else knows Jesus. Thankfully, God is faithful. He doesn't let that happen. We have seen it happen in other churches, though, haven't we? We see it happen. Do you you know that that even now there are churches in, in Peter's township that are struggling with keeping the doors open? Do you know why? Because there were successive generations of believers who sat on their hands and did nothing and said, well, God will bring them to us. We shouldn't have to suffer. We shouldn't have to work for the sake of the gospel. And now we watch them die. They got lots of money. They got big fancy buildings they can barely maintain. And now they're dying as a church because no one was willing to pay the price for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm not calling you to martyrdom. I'm calling you to volunteer for children's church and to do it consistently. I'm calling you to volunteer for the nursery and do it consistently. And you might go, it is so hard. Yes! Hallelujah! And you get to suffer it for the sake of the gospel. I don't like it. Are you supposed to like suffering? I mean, eventually, right, we learn to rejoice in it. But no, it's hard in the moment. There's the old joke. Wife walks in to her husband. He says, I just don't want to go to church today. Everybody's mean to me. I never feel accepted. I'm exhausted when I'm done. It's just such a burden. And the wife says, you have to go. You're the pastor. But you see, it's, it's, it's not, we all, if we are working together and suffering together, we will rejoice together. And the gospel will go out. Our children will be trained up. Our community will be reached. Our lives will be enriched. We'll be like the Apostle Paul. We will rejoice. Some of you have asked me, why don't we have children's church every Sunday? Missy, why don't we have children's church every Sunday? You're the children's ministry director. Well, that, that's good too. Yeah, be in church with us. And we need volunteers. The nursery. We, we can't staff the nursery. You, look, I, I know we're not a big church. We're not a big church. But we're a big enough church to do everything that God has told us to do. If we'll be faithful. If some of us are willing to suffer. If, if all of us are willing to suffer, we can do even more than we ever dreamed or imagined. Who are you willing to pay the price for when it comes to their salvation? I look around the room and I go, I'm I'm willing to pay what what I can afford and what it takes. And I can afford a lot to see you mature, to see you grow. And I want you to look around the room and think the same thing. I want them to grow and so I'm going to do whatever it takes. I want want our kids to grow. I'm going to do what it takes. I want our our, our babies to be loved and nurtured. I'll do what it takes. I want my fellow believers to grow. I'm going to come to Sunday school, teach Sunday school, lead... Look, I don't want you to hear legalism out of this. I don't want you to hear shaming or guilt out of this. I want you to hear, we should have such a big vision of what God can do in us and through us that we're willing to pay whatever it takes because his gospel is worth it and Christ is worth it. I could go on and on, but it's, it's getting close to noon. And I know you've gotten the gist. If you really have heard me though, I know that in the coming weeks when, when we say we need volunteers... Some of you will say it's time to suffer. And you'll jump in and you'll say, I'll, I'll suffer for Jesus on this one. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to belong. I'm going to pay the price for someone else's maturity and salvation. 
It starts with this, recognizing the value of what you now possess. I, I wish the gospel was something we could pull out and look at, like a phone. You know, I mean, you, you could pull out your phone right now and, and you know that this is, this is like a piece of magic. Right here. Right? First of all, you paid a fortune for it probably. And it does these miraculous things. And we all, we sit and we stare at our phones because they're so valuable to us. And they share such meaningful things like TikToks and Reels. Woo! Right? But we value them. And, and they're right here in front of us and we can touch them. We can, sometimes our salvation, we struggle with valuing it because it's not nearly as tangible, is it? But you possess the most valuable thing on the face of this earth when you possess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no greater treasure. And why are you hoarding it away? Recognize the value of what you now possess. Understand the need of those around you to hear its proclamation through warning and teaching. There are so many people around us every day who need to know what we have. They need to be introduced to it. And I'm not asking you to be a street preacher. I'm just asking you to be a believer who actually testifies to Christ. And some of us, it would start with just being willing to do that here in the church. Being willing to live out our life as a Christian, as a believer, in the easiest place in the world to do so amongst other believers. And then as you go out today, as you see emails asking for volunteers, as you think about the ministries that we would like to do as a church, look, I, I would love to know that every Sunday, when, if we have visitors of any age or persuasion, that we'll have ministries that will meet their needs. But we can't do that if we don't have people who are willing to minister on a regular basis. As we sit here today, I don't see many visitors. I see folks who are regulars. And so I'm preaching to you more than anything else to say, we can reach this community and we can change this community if we're all willing to, instead of coming here for us, come here for the sake of others. And come here to serve others and come here to complete the lives of others and come here to make it possible for others to hear the gospel of Jesus and mature in the gospel. We, we just, it'd blow our mind what God can do in us if we were willing to suffer and pay the price for the sake of others. And so I want you to seriously consider, I'm not saying you have to do this to be saved, but what I'm saying is if you are saved, I want you to seriously consider what price you might be required to pay for the sake of someone else's eternal life. What, what price? And, and you realize that the price that we're being asked to pay for the sake of sharing the gospel and training other people up in it, it's really not that significant compared to what's already been paid for us. Now, your sacrifice will be real. Your struggle will be genuine. Your suffering will be physical at times. But it will be worth it because it's for the sake of the gospel and the treasure that you've been given. Would you consider what price you might be required to pay for the sake of someone else's eternal life? And I can tell you right now today, you could come up to Missy and she has got slots for children's church volunteers. If you think we should have children's church more often, do you know what we need more often? More volunteers. Do you know what? We as elders, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Don, we have really decided we won't have ministries that you people don't support. We're not going to fight for a ministry that you won't staff. We will not keep turning the crank 
trying to make everybody happy and fill, fill up all kinds of slots if you all aren't willing to give of yourselves to make it happen. Instead, what we will do is we will pray for revival and we'll preach sermons like this and we'll keep saying, if you're serious, if you're serious about ministry, if you're serious about our church making a difference, if you're serious about watching younger believers mature up into Christ-likeness, you will give of yourself. And it will be much more significant than it is today because today our church body has lack and we're not meeting all of one another's needs. So, recognize the value of what you possess right now in Christ Jesus. Understand that there are people all around you every day, including in this room, who need you to proclaim that good news. And consider what price you might be required to pay for the sake of someone else coming to know Christ and maturing into His likeness. Thank you for your patience. I went long. I meant to cut off sooner. I got wrapped up. I love you all. Look, I've had a few weeks. In the, in the, it's almost six years now in June. Six years in June. We've had a few weeks where it would have been easier just to put out resumes and pack up and go. Right? And that's, that's not to say that we, we, we wish we had quit at any point. But it is to say, and not to say we will quit. But you get the picture, right? It's easier to quit, isn't it? Than to suffer and push through. But we, we, we have chosen, while we struggle, while we have days of just, well, nobody cares, why should we? We're, we're in this for the long haul, as long as you all will have us here, right? And we want the same kind of suffering and commitment from you. If you really want this church to be what God would have it to be. You know what? If you're satisfied to just come and listen to an overlong sermon every Sunday, that's fine. I can do that. You can look at how well I can do that. I am deeply gifted in going too long on the sermon. And if that's all you want, I will go, I'll give you long sermons every Sunday. That's not what I want. I want a church that reaches this community. Look at all these people who are moving into our community. Look at all these houses. Look at all these people who are going to hell if we don't do something. I said I was done. Worship team, get up here. Hurry up before I, before I keep talking. Today, today, if you are, are, are convicted and you know you can do children's church, talk to Missy. If you're convicted and you know you, BBS is where you need to be plugging in, talk to me. It sounds like everything's going to go to Missy today. Uh, you you want to help with the nursery. Uh, T's not here, talk to Shelly. Check in with Shelly to help with the nursery. You, you know, th- these are places we can get you in today so long as you can pass the background checks. Right? The future, what does the future hold? We've got Community Day coming up in June. We, we, we've got things, opportunities to invite your friends uh, coming up in for Easter. Listen, every Sunday morning, we, we could use people dedicated to teaching who are willing to step in and be substitutes and help out. Heavens, just attending regularly, not regularly for an American in, 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 in 2023, which is 1.5 times a month, but regularly, like as, as often as the doors are open and, and, and you can, that, that's a big deal. That's a sacrifice too. And that's maybe your first step for some of us. May God bless us with a vision of who we can be when we're completely faithful and then inspire us to be those faithful people that he can use to make it happen. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you teach us this lesson through Paul about the value of sacrifice for the sake of the good news. The value of, of giving of ourselves and that it actually requires us to give of ourselves for the gospel to be shared. It requires us to give of ourselves so that other people will grow up into Christ-likeness. And we should be motivated to do this, not just out of rote duty, but because we have the most amazing treasure in all the world. Jesus, help us to look at what we already possess, to rejoice in it, and to be motivated to share it through service with the whole world around us. And to proclaim your name, Lord Jesus, warning and teaching so that people might come to know you and grow into your likeness. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Continue to speak to us as we go through our moments today. May this word continue to just resonate in our hearts until you narrow it down and pinpoint where we need to step into boldness and service. In your name we pray, Jesus.